0: Biology for Bastards, teaching biology in the most profane way you've ever seen or heard. I'm your host, John Doty. Thanks for listening. This season, we're going through the AP Biology curriculum one chapter at a time. We are on Chapter 54, Community Ecology. Last week, we talked about the ecology of populations. This week, we're getting one step bigger and talking about communities. Because a community... It's a group of populations living close together, interacting with each other, all that fun shit. So we're kind of zooming out a little bit. Um, so there's a bunch of interspecific interactions that we're going to talk about today. And those are just interactions between different species because that's what a fucking community is. It's a bunch of different species, bunch of different populations interacting with each other. So we're going to talk about shit like competition, predation, herbivory, a bunch of different symbioses, um, all that fun stuff. So let's get going. So um, first up, competition, easiest one. Um, we're going to abbreviate the interactions today as like a plus, a minus, or a zero for neutral. Plus and minus, you can figure those the fuck out or just stop listening because you're going to be fucking screwed if you're taking the AP biology test if you can't figure out that positive is positive and negative is negative. You should also be able to figure out that zero is neutral, but maybe you're a little slow today. I mean that in the nicest way possible. Maybe it's early in the morning. Maybe it's late at night. Maybe you just had a big meal. Who the hell knows? I don't. I'm not judging. So competition, it is a negative for both organisms, both species, because what you're doing is you're fighting for the same resource. So it's taking energy, it's taking effort, it's taking all this shit away from just living and it's going to negatively affect both species. Um, that leads us to the competitive exclusion principle which is an obvious fucking idea when you actually sit and think about it but if you don't sit and think about it it's not fucking obvious okay all it says is that two species can't have the exact same niche that's it right now what the fuck is a niche Um, it's the total of everything that the organism uses abiotic and biotic um in the environment to do its shit and there's two versions of the niche, there's the fundamental niche some people say niche those people are fucking weird as hell Um, and then there's the realized niche so the fundamental niche is you know, theoretically this is where it lives, this is what it does this is all that stuff, the realized niche is how much of the fundamental niche it actually occupies so it's the difference between theoretical and in real life. That's really all it is. Okay? But that's competition. Just, you know, there's going to be a winner, there's going to be a loser, but even the winner it's going to take some energy, it's going to take some effort. It's going to negatively affect it. Um that brings us to the next two. We have predation and herbivory. They're basically the same fucking thing. Um just Because like, if you're a lettuce plant and there's this hippity-hoppity little bunny rabbit coming to eat your body, that's predation. That's just as scary as if you're a zebra and there's a lion running after you about to eat your body. So predation, herbivory, um, same fucking thing. Where one is benefiting, that's either the predator or the herbivore. And one is being negatively affected, that's the thing getting eaten. That's the prey or the plant. And there's a bunch of um, defensive adaptations to protect against predation or herbivory. Um, Things like cryptic coloration. That is camouflage. There is the warning coloration and the word that I always struggle pronouncing, um, aposmatic. Okay, that's bright colors possessed by poisonous animals. So you think of like the poison tree frog in like the Amazon. Super bright colored. Stands out like a sore thumb. But it's like, I'm standing right fucking here. If you want to go, let's go. I'm going to poison your ass. That's the aposmatic or warning coloration. Then there's Batesian mimicry and Mullerian mimicry. Two different types. Um, the Batesian is like the king snake and the coral snake. Where you have a harmless mimicking a harmful Okay, that's the Batesian, And then the Malurian is when you have multiple bad tasting or, you know, not good to eat species that mimic each other or that resemble each other. I guess mimic because it's called fucking mimicry. So, yeah. So, just Batesian is there's a fake one looking like a poisonous one. And there's Malurian where all the bad stuff looks the same. And then, you know, herbivores, they have toxins, or not herbivores. Plants, to protect themselves from herbivores, have toxins, they have spines, they have thorns, they have all this shit. That brings us to symbiosis, where you have two different species that are living in direct contact with each other and have some sort of relationship as a result. And there's three types of symbiosis. There's parasitism. That's the most common one that most people know. That's where the parasite benefits and the host is negatively affected. So things like tapeworms, ticks, leeches, all that shit. Then we have mutualism, where it's a win-win. That's the clownfish and the sea anemone. So it's a positive interaction for both organisms. And then we have commensalism, which is a weird one, where one organism benefits and the other is totally unaffected. Or, mostly unaffected. So the example of that um, is often like barnacles on a whale. The whale could give two shits about a little barnacle stuck to its side. But barnacles are filter feeders, so being stuck to the whale, they benefit... By the moving of the water and everything. So, those are your symbioses. Next up, we have species diversity. Okay, just talking about community structure, how things are diverse. Um, basically, what it comes down to is the more number of different species and how... Abundant those different species are, the more diverse your community is. And a big measure of species diversity um, is the Shannon Diversity Index. I'm not going to go into how to calculate it. Um, you really don't need to calculate it much. Um, just be aware there's a bunch of different variations of how to calculate diversity within a community. Um, and having a high diversity. Is important because it makes you resistant to invasive species because that invasive could come in and it's only going to like, you have more of a buffer against them is what I'm trying to get at. Okay. Um, and we all know what invasive species are. So they're fucking dickheads um, coming in, doing, doing their shit, messing up the community. Um, Things like kudzu, the Asian carp, zebra mussels, Dutch elm disease, emerald ash borer, um, the potato blight, all this shit. Nasty stuff that we don't like. Those are all invasive species. Hey, Europeans and North America, if we want to get technical, we were invasive species. So, yeah. Not good, those invasives. Get them the fuck out. Prevent them. So, that's my little rant about invasive species. I'm kind of moving on. Now we're going to talk food chains and food webs. But we're going to do it at the AP biology level and call them trophic structures. That's it. It's So, we've got food chains, we've got food webs... Each level, each step, each link, however the fuck you want to define it, that is a trophic level. So if you have a food chain with five steps, there are five trophic levels. Okay. And what we have, we tend to have smaller food chains because they're a lot more stable and you can't have super fucking long food chains because of that lack of not lack the inefficiency of energy transfer how only 10% of the energy gets passed on the other gets lost as heat so you tend to have smaller shorter food chains for that reason and then we all know what food webs are so hopefully it's just you know it's just a bunch of food chains linked the fuck together in a web. That's it. So, I'm not gonna talk more about that because that's boring as hell. Um, but I am gonna talk about the difference between dominant and keystone species because that's less boring. So, a dominant species is just the most common. It's either the highest biomass or just the most abundant, the most common organism, most common, most common species. But keystone species, they may not be the biggest, the baddest, the strongest, or the most abundant, but they hold the community together because their niche is super fucking important. And keystone species are like sea otters keeping the kelp forest community in check. Because sea otters eat sea urchins, sea urchins eat kelp. When there's too many sea urchins, there's not enough kelp, the whole community falls apart. Um, Grizzly bears are another keystone By um, transferring nutrients between the sea and the land As they eat salmon and all that stuff Um, Prairie dogs um, Pretty sure beavers They're ecosystem engineers I don't know if I talk about that now Um, But what they do Is they shape the ecosystem By their niche So they are very 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 important and when there's a major disturbance like no beavers or like a loss of sea otters or anything like that um that could be an ecological disturbance which is a fancy word we use for um, removing organisms or changing a resource availability because of a fire or a flood drought whatever the fuck it is something changes and it destroys the community destroys the ecosystem that sets up the process of ecological succession okay that's where there's this kind of mostly predictable transition of species in an area over time there's two types there's primary and there's secondary and what it really boils down to is whether or not there is soil present if there is no soil its primary succession starts on like bare rock. So, um, a retreating glacier will leave bare rock, or after a volcanic eruption or an abandoned parking lot, those would all be sites of primary succession. You have um, pioneer species coming in, starting to break stuff down, each organism changing the environment making it a little bit better for another organism to come in to change the environment so that it can change the environment a little bit more, making it better for another species on down the line. So primary is when you do not have soil. Secondary succession is when you do have soil intact. So that's after like forest fires, floods, tornadoes, shit like that. Um... And kind of to wrap everything up, we've got a couple um, biogeographic factors that influence the community ecosystem. Um, I meant to say community ecology. Fuck. My bad. Um, latitude. Species tend to be more diverse in the tropics than towards the poles. Um, just size of the area... Okay, large areas tend to be more diverse because you have more niches that can be filled and everything. And then you have biogeographic islands, which may or may not be actual islands. They might be like a park in the middle of a city. That's a biogeographic island. Okay, um, the larger the island, greater the immigration and lower the extinction. And farther from the quote-unquote mainland um you have less immigration and the extinction extinction rates are going to increase so when you think of those biogeographic islands yes we are talking actual islands but we're also talking super secluded pockets of nature in unnatural or disconnected things and that's pretty much all the community ecology we got to worry about So another quick one today. So, um, make sure you rate, review, subscribe, all that shit I say at the end of every episode. Um, Spread the word, get people listening. Um, You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're at Bio for Bastards and all of those. Check out the website where you can find the PowerPoint associated with every episode, it's www.biologyforbastards.com Our intro and outro music is the song Feeling Good by Purple Planet Music. I have been your host, John Doty. And until next time, thanks for listening.